This is part two of our interview with Kate Crawford. If you like, you can go back and give part one a listen. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts or not. However you're doing it, you're doing it right. Enjoy the show. The Sparkfile podcast may contain profanity and other adult content. Please use your discretion. When I bump into something that inspires me, I jump in in my Sparkfile to be something that I want to make or how I want to be. I pump it in my Sparkfile. I jump into my Sparkfile. Let's open up the Sparkfile. So my introduction to you came when I think that baby cams must have followed I did. you on Instagram through the Sparkfile account. I'm and saying. so I just discovered your artwork and was like, what the actual <laughs> fuck? <laughs> uh, I, I, I was like, okay, follow, 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 follow. So that was my first exposure. Yeah. I was just looking through the feed and I was like, what's this now? What is like, I really responded to it strongly and positively <laughs> let me put it that way and it was it and then I took a that I had no idea that cams knew you and I just took this deep dive through your Instagram feed and I was really really sparked by it really sparked by all different aspects of it the the colors that you choose that you were painting a lot in a book and I was like that's uh-huh. something that I yeah. could do. Sure. And then like I could, once it's dry, you know, you don't need a lot of space for it. Nope. You could, I, I, I was like, oh, this is something that I could do in a space of my own. Yes. I was very inspired by many different aspects of it. Yes. Your writing that accompanied it. So oh my God. it was, it's a real joy to actually, when we walked into your studio, I was like, so, um, this isn't really shaping up to be a question. It's just sort of, I guess it's a, a thank you. But will you will you tell us more? I don't know. I, this isn't even a question. I, I feel really a Take related it home, question. Cams. Yeah, because I think we're on the same bout, like the same I guess like train is, of enthusiasm. You blew my mind. A, you blew my mind. And, and so first visually, and then when I would read your writings that accompanied the paintings I was telling you I first of all I just bought a print that I'm super excited about and it took me a while to decide which one because of the way you wrote about them mm-hmm. and I was like oh but this really spoke to me um you included on one of your many posts you in- included this quote from the book that you used the movie goer oh. To be aware of the possibility of the search is to be on to something. Not to be on to something is to be in despair. Ugh. We lost our minds over this. We do like that. Could you tell us more about it? So as I said, my, my dad gave me the book in high school. And uh, high school was a weird time. Mm-hmm. Um, socially, it was really weird. You spent a lot of time with your grandma. Spent a lot of time with Graham. Not maybe not feeling your peers so much. Yeah, Yeah. it was just a tricky time. I grew up in a place that was really obsessed with like having the right designer jeans, which I didn't. We were like a Sears, you know, Mm -hmm. Oshkosh Bagosh kind (sighs) of family, and um, and it was hard as a young person to find 
that sense of being onto something. Mm-hmm. And I think on the outside, I probably presented as a very happy, functional human. But I think that deep down, I really understood from an early age the sense of, uh, God, that just kind of numbed out, grayed out feeling yep. of like not yeah. finding traction, like not yes. finding the thread, that golden thread that once you're on it, you can just kind of like, you can only see an inch in front of you, but you know you're onto the thing and you can just keep following the thread. And the (sighs) ways that I found that thread were through conversations with my grandmother, were late nights staying up, you know, listening to Billie Holiday with my dad. Um, Mm. my, My mom too had these incredible forms of artistry that she would share with me. And then little by little in high school, you know, I would, I, I, uh, was lucky enough to get involved with our our school's chorus, our madrigal singers, and that kind yeah. of stuff, which was strange because it was in the context of school. So it was like a class. You would go to the class and you would show up fourth period. And and then Kairos time would kind of kick in for me. I would sort of forget mm. where I was and I would just be singing and realize like, oh, this is not a school thing. This is like a people surviving and not collapsing under the weight of this despair thing. Yeah. Like this is a thing that people do to hold joy. And once I got tastes of that, it was like this need, this desire to follow those threads, to follow the searches. And I have had times in my life, I think that when, you know, when we kind of catch the thread of that, you hold on as long as you can. And then it feels like the thread wears out and you have to find (sighs) the next thread. And in the moments between and I, I've experienced this a number of times in my life where I'm not on the search and the despair settles in and I just feel like, oh, well, I guess maybe that wasn't my path. Like, I guess maybe I I don't have what it takes or I don't know how to yeah. how to find that magic again. Um, I had this experience recently um, of getting to sing at Joe's Pub with a, a singer-songwriter named Treya Lamb who is a just deep, deep soul and a really direct conduit of this magic that we've been talking about. And it was such a healing experience for me because I think about 15 years earlier, I had, um, I had gone to Joe's pub to see a show. Um, it was the Bjorkestra. I'm a huge fan of Bjork. (laughs) And there's this wonderful group that called the Bjorkestra where they would, um, do these incredibly creative Bjork covers in like a full blown orchestral setting. And it was at a time where I was really in that despair. I was not on the search. I was not doing anything creative. I was Mm -hmm. burning so much energy trying to be of service to other people. And I wasn't doing anything that even like remotely connected to my own artistry. And I remember standing in the dark at Joe's pub at this show, watching somebody else sing these songs that I knew every word to Mm -hmm. and just thinking, Oh, well, I guess that's not for me. Like, I guess I won't ever do that again. Um, and to be back on that same stage, you know, surrounded by these incredibly fierce women and in collaboration with, with Treya was just an incredible moment to realize like the search is always there. It's always there for us, you know, and we can feel like we've let go of it, but it's just right there. Just pick it back up again. It's fine. Yes. I feel like we, that that is the point of this podcast. It is about yes, looking yes, for those sparks yes. that to mix my metaphors <laughs> that to, to so that wind yeah. can catch your yes, creative sails yes, or right. to use yours that you can find those golden threads that sort of yeah. like can carry you through and get you into sometimes get you into Kairos time, yeah, yeah. but sometimes just like give you something to sit up in the morning and go. Well, I'm gonna go open up a fresh page of the yeah, the yeah. journal and yeah. uh, I'm gonna like 
pick some new colors today. Yeah. yeah. Something to just like, just onto that lifeline something. thread. Yeah. Yes. Onto something. Uh, I love, I will never think that phrase something. the same way again, because the number of times where like, whether I'm writing a play and, and do part of, perform part of it or work on a project and someone says, I think you're onto something. Uh, I will never think of it the same way again. It's like so I much love it. deeper than I ever gave that phrase credit for onto something. And in yes. your case, in that example, you found the choir. Can you tell us yes. about your work? Yes, with that's the choir? What I, yes. Oh, what a joy. These women are so fierce and so beautiful and radiant. I, Say the name of the chorus. So it's called the Resistance Revival Chorus. And yeah. uh, it evolved out of the... Um, the Women's March, uh, Ginny Suss and Sarah Sophie Flicker and Nalini Stamp. There's a, the six uh, co-founders of the chorus um, and their, their names are all online. Yeah. You know. yeah. Um, anyway, they all gathered up after that big first March in January of 2017 and said, wow, this was incredible. They had all helped uh, to organize that and galvanize mm. it along with, I mean, so many other countless incredible women. And they came out of that march and said, okay, that was amazing. But what is missing from this movement is music and joy. Oh, We are ooh. all grinding <laughs> our gears, right? Yes. Right? So yes. in the 60s, yes. so much of this work as people were uh, marching for civil rights, so much of this work was buoyed and fueled by music. Yeah. And that came out of the African-American tradition of singing in church and singing mm. from that place of, and yet, like the world is a broken mess and yet we uplift joy and we center joy. And joy is a form of resistance, it's a joy, it's a form of resilience, it's a form of survival. And if we lose our joy in the fight for justice, what's the justice worth, right? Like if we are so depleted by the end of this fight that we've gotten what we wanted, but we're so broken that we can't live it, uh, what does that do for anybody, right? And what uh, are we teaching our children, right, about how we resist and how we fight if we've lost our joy? And right. so this evolved, which is just a group of women sitting around a kitchen table saying, how can we reinfuse joy into this resistance movement? And they said, well, let's just start a chorus. Mm. Unbeknownst to me, I had no idea that any of this was unfolding. I was there um, the march uh, in, in Washington on the 17th, and I was very much involved, I mean, in uh, 2017, rather, and I was very much involved in that burgeoning protest movie. Not burgeoning, I shouldn't say that because there was so much work that was done primarily mm -hmm. by women of color that uh, led up to that that's moment. Right. I think yeah. that's really, really important to keep centering. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but I, I had, um, you know, really- This new awareness became, of yeah, the movement. Yeah, yeah as, it was, as it was spreading and growing and becoming more galvanized and yeah. intentional. Um, and so right around that time, I- um, I was, it, it was the summertime, it was like the spring, sort of spring after that March. And I remember I was, um, I was writing in my journal and I, and I said, you know, I hadn't been doing any singing. I had been, I'd done singing in high school and done musicals and I had had a short lived, very volatile, weird band at one point that didn't really work <laughs> out. But let's just underscore that, that singing that you had done in high school yes. sounded like a bit it of a golden so, thread lifeline. So That's right. To me. Yeah. So important And here to me. it comes back. Right. And just this notion, what I loved about singing in high school is I didn't have to be the soloist. I loved singing in a choir where mm. I couldn't hear my, I could barely hear my own voice, but I was Blend, thinking so baby, much yeah. about how to harmonize with uh -huh. other people oh. and just that experience the synergy of being in a group um and what that does how that amplifies our our voices and our intentions and so i wrote in my journal i probably have it somewhere around 
literally like I want to sing with women about things I care about Ugh. and I don't need to be the headliner. <sighs> I want to be one in the number. I just want that feeling again. And not three days later, my friend Abana emailed me or Facebooked me or something or other and said, hey, we're putting together this choir. We're going to oh. do a flash mob in the middle of Times Square. We're going to sing, you know, some of the old protest songs from the 60s. We're going to start to create some of our own new protest music. Do you want to be a part of it? And I was like, are you in my head? Like, how did this happen? Well, and I said, yeah, absolutely. I think so, this is a, that was a time and this continues to be a time where people are looking for a way yeah. where they can take a gift that they have, something that really they knocks on their door and then combine it with activism yes, and mm -hmm. impact some change in yes. that way. So I, I feel like it's kismet and it also makes total sense. The timing yeah. makes total sense. It does. Do you perform frequently? What's mm -hmm. the, what's the schedule? Like how, yeah. and how can people find you? Right. See you? So yeah, you can find us online. You can find us on Instagram, all the things. Um, so we have, uh, our schedule is really heating up. Mm. Um, the the res the response from folks right from the start was really really powerful. To your point, I think that there is a real hunger right now yes. to be yeah. in connection, and particularly in a world where like so much of the connection that we do is through the lens of social media. Which no shade, that's you know it can yeah. be it can it can be really powerful and yeah. really great. But I think that we're really craving like in the room connection. That's like, right. We want to sing together and actually hear yeah. ourselves singing and hooting and hollering and just yes. like stomping and just yeah. making a big ruckus. So Ugh. right from the start <gasps> when we started to, yeah. I just had a spark. Oh, Whoa. sorry. Go, go. Real time spark. Yes, do it. We were just having a conversation last night with Donna Lieberman, who is the head of the MYCLU. Yeah. Yes. And every year there is a, an event called Broadway Stands Up for Freedom Oof. and different Broadway performers and others, uh, people people who are expressing their activism mm. through creative means and performative mm. means. Oh my God. It's at town hall. You Love all you should, should sing be there. at Love Broadway it. stands yes. up for freedom. I will Holy send the email okay, within the next yeah. 48 hours. Love that. You were saying. <laughs> yes. Raising ruckuses. I think that's <laughs> yes. where we were. Yes. yes. So I love this. I love this. Great. And you know, what's really funny too. Um, uh, two nights ago, I went to see American Utopia. Yeah. And I was okay. sitting there and thinking like, wow, this is so much that. Have you seen it? I have yeah. not. It's uh -huh. extraordinary. Yeah. I'm a huge David Byrne fan, a huge sure. Talking yeah. Heads fan. Um, but the spirit of that piece uh, of, of you know, singing these songs with these little, you know, bits and, and pieces yet, and stories yeah, together. Stories. And the idea of like, this is a, a stage full of musicians who are also immigrants and what it looks like to really kind of mm. re-envision what's possible. Yeah. It was really stunning moment for me and it made me think like oh wow the chorus it's so in line with how we how we do our shows are in that kind of format um and with that same kind of spirit where it's music it's activism it's this night notion of the, the the alchemy that that happens when we're all in that room together and i was just literally i just not a day and a half ago texted our our group chorus thread and said Broadway. Have we considered Broadway? <laughs> I think we should do it. Yeah. So being amazing. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So so we we perform a lot. And what I love about the chorus is that the there's a huge range. I mean, often what we're doing is street protests. It's like a rapid response. Somebody finds out about an action. Yes. And it's like, yeah, who can come? We've all got this signal thread. Making change, baby. And it's like literally yes. just right. like it's happening, right. you know, five yes. o'clock tonight. Who's in? Yes. Who can music direct? We've gotten, you know, a number. It's a very leaderful space. So yep. there's a lot of folks who are willing and able to step in yes. uh, to that role. We've got a lot of people who are working musicians. We've got artists. We've got educators. We've got mothers. And so mm. there are people who are 
you know, at any given moment might be out on tour, might be like at a conference someplace. Sure. And so there's 60 of us, but n at no time are we ever all 60 together. Yes. It's like right. whoever can show up. That's right. Um, we all know each other's parts. We can all step in on like, who's <laughs> got it. the alto line? Yep. Got it. That's me. No problem. Um, this is so exciting. And, yeah. yeah. And so what's been really interesting is that as momentum has, you know, I think at the heart of what we do, um, Protest, protest and activism are always going to be there at the core. And there's also a, um, a, a sort of second prong, which is really uplifting and centering women in music. Um, and mm, yeah. and so that kind of thread has led us onto some really beautiful stages. We got a chance to um, sing with Angelique Kijo at Summer Stage. We were with um, Ani DeFranco. We sang with um, Carly uh, Simon at Carnegie Hall. And so like those, oh ex God. those experiences are starting to... It's going to keep on happening. Yeah, to, 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 if well, I have we, anything to do with it. <laughs> we just recorded an <laughs> album, which is getting mixed right now, and that will be coming out in oh the my spring. God. What, do you know you what it's are. called? It's called the Resistance Revival Chorus, This Joy. Could we sing oh the song? my this God, yeah. This Joy joy yeah. oh yeah. oh my god <laughs> you're so full of sparks Aww. you're so full yeah. of sparks you're a basket Incredible. of sparks <laughs> uh, uh should we should, we, jump should down? we also mention like you you are co-founding a school should we just mention <laughs> what person in their right mind oh god what a dumb idea, right? No. Do you just do this from like 3 a.m. to 4 a.m.? Yeah. You, like, you work on co-founding a school. But you, well, it's co-founded. It is founded. Okay. It is It is in motion, right? Okay. So that, that um, uh, crazy town moment of like the actual, oh my God, we're going to make a thing that is not a thing turn into a thing. Yeah. That was like 2014, 15, 16. We opened our doors in 2016. Um, which is oh a crazy God. time, just also in the context of like the political moment when we've been yeah, talking a yeah, lot about how yeah. these things intersect, right? The idea of we're going to create an arts-based middle school with a really diverse population of young people that creates a very inclusive environment so that kids can show up with their whole identity intact in our school. Oh, but we're also going to do that on the year that Trump, of all people, gets elected president. Ugh. And that's going to happen. What better time? We have been open. Our doors have been open for like a month and a half, two months. Oh my God. So navigating that process yeah. with this new group of yeah. sixth graders right so these were 10 11 12 year olds that we were just a getting lot to, to know unpack. like yeah. just building yeah. community just talking about what does it mean to, yeah. to have this inclusive diverse space was really oh was my a god powder keg. Yeah. i'm sure yeah but your it, there is a through line of creativity um at that school mm -hmm. and the mission of the yes. school can you talk about that yeah. Well, I think that learning is inherently creative and that shouldn't be a radical statement, but given <laughs> the state of education in our country right now, it sure as hell it is. is. We yeah. have, and with really good, clear, strong intentions, I really want to be careful because I think that there are a lot of amazing educators in the world who have centered the notion of accountability and like we really do need to teach the babies to read and write and do math we really do yeah. right of course and we need to be able to measure that and, yeah. and there's a lot of socioeconomic um and 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 race uh you know like lenses through which we must look in order to that's to, right you know that's the work right. that we're doing we need to be measuring it we need to be clear about that path and also there is so much great work that can happen in a classroom that is not necessarily measurable in those kinds of ways with those very limited metrics that we often use to determine how kids are learning and growing. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, the creative process is inherently differentiated. Kids create and learn how to create in their own way at their own time. And that runs really antithetical 
we or has a, yeah. a tension, a creative tension with this other way that we've been viewing education in this country for a long time. And our sweet spot at our school, like the thing that we are, that ever elusive kind of like moving target mm -hmm. that we're always kind of working toward is, and I actually don't think, I, I think that so socially or um, um, in, in terms of how we've been taught to think about education, there is this tension, but I don't actually think it exists. Mm -hmm. I think that when you're actually doing great creative work, it is helping you become a better reader and writer. And I think mm -hmm. that when you're actually doing great creative work, it's growing that muscle and that way of seeing that helps you improve in math. And mm -hmm. so for me, I don't see those things as antithetical. Yeah. And yet they're integrated. When you talk to, yeah, yeah exactly. They're, to me, they're very integrated, yeah. right? Like we do, I do this, um, wonderful unit on the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio with my kids where I just completely geek out. They completely <laughs> geek out with me. At first they're like, oh God, it's an art class. Why do we have to do math, right? But like, let's look at how the Parthenon was built. Let's look at the spiral mm. in a pine cone. Let's look at these patterns in music yeah. and see that they're all linked by this one very simple but incredibly elegant and expansive property. And that these oh ways of knowing and these ways of learning and seeing are your birthright. And yet our schools are not set up mm -hmm. to, to give you access to that way of knowing. Um, and so we're trying to do that work at a time where we also really need to like post some good reading and math scores. Of and course, so yeah. it's a really mm. interesting tension and an in interesting dance. Um, I can't help but think about um, how you're teaching them to know themselves as creative beings mm -hmm. and that you're raising this little generation of students who won't have any issue calling themselves artists with a capital A because they will know themselves in that way yeah. you know from the jump from the jump <laughs> and I think that's a huge gift I really do I have a question you do so much and then I've also you're I mean you're really in the middle of making <laughs> so much and then I've also seen your to-do list in your like you have a uh, <laughs> we'll post on, that your, too. on your chalkboard in your <laughs> office you have sort yeah. of like things that you also aim to aspire to mm -hmm. make is there a creative thing that you know that you have to do before you're done <sighs> I think that there's a book in me rumbling around mm. somewhere into the surface. I, I second that emotion. <laughs> I started writing. Um, I started writing a book in 2010. I was directing The King and I in the Bronx. Sure. And as you do. And I was really fascinated with the story of Anna Lanawins, um as like this white lady who goes to what was then known as Siam. Um, who it's like this wild um, kind of layered there's Rogers and Hammerstein, right? These like two <laughs> Jews are going to write a story about a white yeah. lady who goes to Siam and like this, <laughs> this like all of these crazy. And then I, as a white lady, I'm going to go and do that show in the Bronx where all of the students that I'm working with are students of color. And what does that mean where I'm, you know, like the yeah. young woman that I'm working with is yeah. learning, you know, to speak in a British accent and we're like unpacking all that. And then we do research into Anna Leonowin's past and find out that she actually was not white. She <sighs> was of mixed race descent. She was born in India and her uh, husband passed away and she realized that her only ticket was learning how to speak with a British accent and passing as a white woman. She was actually huh? from Wales. Yes, I know. There's spark. Uh, this I know. so sparkish. So gets on a boat to Siam and in that, um, transition like teaches herself to be a British governess person. Oh, 
My and God. and like does that because being a woman and being a widow and because what are you going to do? What are you going to do to survive? Right. So unpacking all of these layers, and I think I got a bit stalled in that process because I kept coming into this realization of like I was telling the story from my perspective, but because I was working with all these young folks, they were necessarily part of the story, and I kept having these moments of realizing that I'm writing their stories, but from my voice Mm -hmm. as the white educator who's doing this work with young people and I have never felt ever um like oh I'm like this magical white lady that's coming into this like poor bedraggled neighborhood and like saving the kids and like you know my whatever with Michelle Pfeiffer dangerous minds like my little black leather jacket (laughs) like that's been so So far from my experience and yet as I was writing this thing I was like oh this is feel this is like I'm I don't know quite how to bust out of that box and I just had this moment where I was like you know what just like drop it for a while like you don't maybe you don't have to make that right now let Mm -hmm. that go those stories are going to be there maybe there's another way that it'll move or shape and maybe the book the book Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe that's the book you know Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) the painted book (laughs) is the book and maybe maybe it'll come through in another in another form and I think that as I've gotten older I've started to trust that these 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 goals that we set for ourselves are useful because they get us onto something, yeah. but they don't necessarily have to show up in the world exactly the way that we That's envision right. them. Right? Like they can morph and change into something else. You got your else. eyes on the prize. You got your eyes on the prize, and then sneak attack and then from sneak the attack side. From the side. It was actually a step towards uh, yeah. something else that is totally surprising yeah. and comes from left field. Yeah. I think to the. Um, I, I, I'm not a big, uh, like new year's resolution maker. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, just doesn't, it's not how my brain works. Um, but I did have a moment of sitting down in, you know, early January this year and my new year's resolution was to stay open for the side sneak attacks. Like, like (laughs) here I am, I'm like putting like lots and lots of effort into visual art, but like, what if some someone came around and said, you know what, we're going to make a play about X, Y, Z. And why don't you come and help, you know, like let's stay open to the wild possibility of somebody says like, I want to give you a $20,000 grant to go and make a movie in Paris. Like, okay, Okay. cool. Like, and why not? Why not just like, so that's my kind of new year's resolution is to sort of be open to some wild, ridiculous out of left field creative Uh, adventure. That's a goodie. (laughs) I love that. Kate, you do so much, as we've mentioned. Do you have a clear vision of what it's all for? I think a lot about the women in my family who were filled with so much creativity as young people and didn't get a Mm. chance to fully live it. Word. Yeah. My grandmother on my mother's side was an actress in London when World War II broke out and her parents told her that because she was Jewish, it would be unsafe for her name to appear on a program. So she had to leave. And so she came to New York and got married and didn't act again. Wow. And my grandma on my dad's side told me when I was 13, 14 in that high school moment, spending a lot of time with grams. (laughs) She told me that she used to write a lot of poetry. And I said, oh, my gosh, I, lo- I like to write poetry, too. Will you show me your poems? And she said, oh, no, dear, don't be silly. I burned them when I got married. Oh, oh, that's chilling. And it just that hit me like a ton of bricks. And she found so many other beautiful ways to channel that yeah. inherent 
natural, bubbling, creative life force that was so much a part of her. But I think so much about those two women and so many women Mm -hmm. who are just full of creativity and full of artistry and who, for whatever reason, either pressure from the outside or pressure from the inside, don't give that creative fire any oxygen. And I have been that woman. And I don't want to be that woman anymore. That's right. And you're giving permission to all the others as you forge your path. Everyone has permission to follow those same steps. Oh, that's a good one that is a fucking great one who or what is sparking you these Mm. days I would say the singers that I get to share the stage with from the chorus each of whom individually has so much uh, joy and artistry to offer Um, I'm doing one of the collaborations that I talked about with my friend Nilusha, who's writing this incredibly beautiful song cycle um, called and Ten Blessings. And you're giving us the vision. Yes. Yes, yes you exactly. Um, and singing in that and um, contributed some writing to that. And I just mm. like the way that she uh, has envisioned this project and the way that she leads it with such grace and clarity and generosity of spirit mm-hmm. is such a pleasure to be in the room with. And she brings out, uh, she brings out the beauty of each individual collaborator in a way that's so careful. And so she, you know, talk about preparation. She comes so exquisitely prepared. She does so much work on the back end that she can then show up in that rehearsal room and it flows out of her effortlessly. And I'm wow. like, I'm on to you. <laughs> I know how much work you're doing yeah. behind the scenes. Um, I think of Treya, who I mentioned, you know, who's just this incredible channel uh, for artistry and same thing, just so much grit and hustle and mm. heart that goes into that work so that she can show up you know, barefoot in her white tunic, strumming on her guitar. Like it's just nothing. It's rolling out of her uh. so freely like water. And I think, uh, 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 I know, I know, I know. I think of my friend Dina, who's doing, just making incredible jewelry. I think of my friend Ilana, who's just written her second book of poetry. Like I'm just so, I'm so grateful to be surrounded by so many incredible women makers who, uh-huh. and, and you mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation about the work that gets done in the inconvenient moments. Like so many, my friend Yen, right, who is an architect and a mother of two and, you know, finds those moments, those pre-dawn moments at her kitchen table to make these incredible drawings. And I just think so much, you know, I think about Lucille Clifton, you know, this incredible poet who had many kids and was always like sort of writing a line of poetry on the back of a brown paper bag while she's frying an egg and feeding a kid and (laughs) mending a cloth, whatever. And, and I think that that's true for a lot of, a lot of creators in general, but I think a lot of, a lot of women, creative people, right, are finding that, that discipline to sit down at the blank canvas with the sink full of dishes, which you all got a chance to witness. My sink is full of dishes right now. Proudly. Proudly yeah. full, full of, of dishes. dishes. They can know? wait. They yeah. can wait. They can wait. They can wait. You just so, described probably the history of of female art throughout time, like how it gets made. <laughs> what did you say specifically? You said if uh, it seems like I don't. I'm gonna butcher it. Painting gets done when there's a sink full of yeah, dishes. Yeah, painting only yeah. gets done when there's a sink full of dishes. Painting yes. only gets done dishes, when there's yeah. a sink full of dishes. Give yourself permission to paint. <sighs> Give yourself permission to have a sink full of dishes yeah. while you do. That's right. Yeah. All that can yeah. wait. 
Yeah. Oh my so God. your sparks are all those women. Yeah. And I don't know, not so ironically, you're a woman who sparks us. us. It makes me so happy. Yes. And I also want to not to insert our, us into this equation, We're in it but now. I'm about to Go do ahead. it because you said something before we started that rocked my world, which is <laughs> that you yeah. come into this beautiful studio that is your heart and you listen to this while you paint. I do. Which oh. felt to me that I was like, there is no greater compliment you could give us. No, no it's no, from it, the heart, it really truly. I have so I, honored still by that. Like now I'm picturing, <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing the spark pile in this space. It makes me really, really happy. Yeah. Well, I think that this is how synergy works. There's a reason that, you know, that myth of the, the solo artist who's just there toiling. It's usually a mm. dude, right? Some like yes. really Some, a yes. mastermind. Like, yes, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. you yes. know, smoking cigarettes and just like being tortured yes. all alone. Just all like, the genius you know, comes all, from all him. All the genius like hustling up the mountain or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. The, it, so many of the creative folks that I, that I so admire and you all included are, are, are networked in this really beautiful synergistic way we are not doing this work alone it is nourishing yeah, right? i have to say yeah. what just sitting here being with you it is so it is so sparkish and so <laughs> nourishing and yeah. i really didn't mean to insert us into your no like, i said it th that I, must, I was like i'm I having an out-of-body experience where i'm recording <laughs> like the podcast super I, narcissistic not at and all I not at all to, but i guess it is pridefulness is a sin but i was That's also right. proud oh, hell, no, no, no listen sinner. listen women don't do enough bragging and I, listen <laughs> take that everybody you see so there it is, it is okay it is okay oh, thank you so thank you so what a pleasure much. thank you both so much we are you so really happy. are you are you are, are a, a walking <laughs> spark you are Aww. just oh, spewing sparks i see you like walking down the street just spewing Sparks. Sort of like pig pen, but the opposite. The yeah. opposite. Yeah. No, a little a little actual pig pen in the mix. Let's be clear. A little a little grit that. never hurt anybody. So that's it. We hope that this put another bunch of sparks in your file. Listen, if there's a spark that you'd like us to explore, or if you've taken a spark and you've fanned it into a creative flame and you'd like to share that, won't you email us at the sparkfile at gmail.com or submit it through our website, the spark file. Dot com. <laughs> we will even take your feedback, but you know the price of admission. First, you have to share a creative risk that you have taken recently. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, five-star, review it. If you like this podcast, please won't you share it with people mm -hmm. you love. If you didn't like it, Kate, what do you say to your critics? It's okay. I'm going to keep making my thing anyway. Yes. And you know what? You should go out and make something too. <laughs> oh, love that. If something tickles your fancy and gets your creative juices flowing, we're writing you a forever permission slip to make that thing that's been knocking at your door. Kate's signing it too. Kate sure. is Kate's signing, signing it, it forever. <laughs> there you go. It's your turn to take a spark and fan it into a flame. You got to locate it. You got to do date it. You got to be like Kate Crawford and multi-passionately create it. <laughs> you got to take it and, and make, make it. it. Bye. 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 Okay. When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark files. Could be something that I want to make or how I want to be. I pump it in my spark files. I jump into my spark files. 
Let's open up the spark fire.